This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, boy. Well, we tried. We tried. We tried. We tried. We tried to get comedian Judy Gold to jump on the show today. She just sent me a note. I said, hey, if you want to talk about this Auschwitz video, we'll be happy to make room on the program today after we talk to Dr. Wendy. And Judy wrote back, thanks, but I get enough hate mail and death threats. (laughs) I get enough hate mail and death threats. She is hopelessly liberal, but she is also a very funny comedian. Her name is Judy Gold. And if you follow her on Twitter, you'll probably not like the things she posts because she just she'll be a, a, a blue supporter, a blue state supporter, no matter what. But in, in a live show, she's very funny. She's also kind of abrasive to some people. We have a lot to cover in the last hour. There's much to do. If you just missed it, we had a, a fascinating discussion with uh, Austin Peterson who ran as a libertarian candidate for president, but now he's actually going to, he had just announced it. He's, he's going to um, make a run at Claire McCaskill. So we'll see. I'll keep up on Austin Peterson. I, I tend to think he could be a good choice for, for Missouri, for that state. You know, they, they tend to pick some interesting characters. Um, and I don't want to delay any longer because she's on the phone. And by the way, if you guys want to join the conversation throughout the day, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. We're talking about a bunch of different issues today. The one that I, I dared Judy Gold to come on and talk about is... Um, it's also the story that I want to talk with our friend, Dr. Wendy Patrick, about. And if you don't, you're saying, Mike, it's Wednesday, and I usually listen on Wednesdays. Who is this Dr. Wendy Patrick? WendyPatrickPhD.com. If you go there, you'll find out. She's an author, a speaker, uh, just a really smart person, and, and I, I love having her on the show. Her book, Red Flags, Frenemies, Underminers, and the Ruthless People Out There. And how to get rid of them. Hello. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. How was your Independence Day? Uh, I spent it at um, Fox News uh, television studios talking about crime. How about you? <laughs> well, I, I, I only managed to wolf down 68 hot dogs. If I could have just gotten those last four or five in, I'd be wearing oh. that mustard yellow belt today. <laughs> what, now, what did you win for downing that many? I didn't down that many. I'd be like, I couldn't eat 68 cocktail weenies, much less the, <laughs> the regular hot dog. I, did you watch any of that hot dog eating contest? No, in, intentionally not. Uh, it's very hard to watch those, uh, those contests. Did you? And who won? <laughs> well, please, Joey Chestnut, America's greatest competitive, maybe the world's greatest competitive eater for the 10th I time. I heard it teased a number of times and I didn't watch it. I figured I could hear about it after the fact. <laughs> well, just, just to let you know, we are the greatest country in the world because we produce sports like competitive eating and make it a moneymaker. <laughs> And, I know. He he is impressive if you just want to consider volume. Consider a 14-pound Thanksgiving turkey. 
he oh, would have God. eaten it all by himself, the whole thing. Oh, boy. I hope in he eats ten like minutes. <laughs> in 10 minutes. No, but see, here's the, here's the weird thing. <laughs> We're not oh. talking politics yet, but here's the weird thing. He travels the world eating, and someone else pays for it. Oh, boy. Hopefully, occasionally, he gets something more nutritious than hot dogs. Maybe, well, a was salad one, eating, maybe a salad eating contest next time. <laughs> oddly enough, there was a guy up on the top shelf. You know, they had a bunch of people competing in this 10-minute win. You only get 10 minutes. He ate 74 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Just oh, let that marinate in your head. But there was a oh, guy boy. from Africa who's now living in America who decided to become a competitive eater. He is the world kale eating champion. I don't even think I want to know what that means. <laughs> no, have, you've seen kale, that that vegetable that everybody is I now know. putting on oh, okay, everything. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, right. That's he's that's eating something. more. He's the world kale eating champ. All right, I can tell oh, Wendy's Wendy's right. If Wendy could push a button that would give me a little electrical shock to get me back on topic, she'd be standing on it right now. <laughs> Well, kale, kale is actually very popular where I live in Southern California, so I suppose I can understand that that's uh, become a competitive eating sport as well. Yeah, but I see, I only think two people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I have a great recipe for kale. If you take oh. a, a, a handful of kale and you put it in a pan with a little olive oil, it makes it easier to throw it in the garbage. That's good. I thought the punchline was going to be something like that, Mike. Something like that. So, Wendy, you know, we we have the president who's, you know, about to land in Poland. And oddly enough, this story crosses about this representative from Louisiana who who is in Poland as well and shot a cell phone video in Auschwitz. Now, I've never been to Auschwitz. Have you been there? Yes, I have. It is, uh, I imagine it's a very solemn place. It is about as solemn and as sober of an environment as you can imagine. And what, what they tweeted out after the fact is exactly that, that this is a place where before you even go in, there's a plaque that says, Basically, uh, silence, mournful silence is appreciated. You talk about a place where silence is golden. Silence is mandatory. At least that is the thought um, uh, before you even go in is this is not a place. It's not a television studio is what has been tweeted out. You know, this I don't think that uh, Republican uh, Clay Higgins, I don't think I understand his views. He's very, very tough on national security, very passionate about his position. Nobody can fault him for any of that. What's under fire here is not his views or even uh, the way he expresses them most of the time, but where he did it. Um, The venue was inappropriate, insensitive. That has been the backlash that he has suffered ever since this went viral. Um, you know, the, the, the memorial itself is, uh, has been very vocal on Twitter, as have a lot of other people. You know, it's interesting you say that and you bring up the, the plaque, because I've seen some folks sent a note to me because I posted the, my thoughts on it. I, I thought his words, specifically the beginning and ending, were powerful, but never having yeah. been 
there, and there is a sign that another um, Twitter user sent to me that does say exactly what you just said. You are in a building where the SS murdered thousands of people. Please maintain silence here. Remember their suffering and show. Remember their suffering and show respect for their memory. Now, had the congressman done his narration on the railroad tracks leading up to the building and the gates and then remained silent throughout his walkthrough and then given us outside, again, the closing thoughts, I think he might have gotten away with this. But, you know, the people are going to be unhappy all the time. I, I thought he was respectful. I didn't know about the request to maintain silence. You know, it's an interesting point you make, Mike, because I'll bet there still would have been a significant amount of backlash because he's being accused of posturing and victim exploitation. So the fact that he made his statements in connection with Auschwitz uh, is was going to be a problem anyway. The fact that he did it from an area where mournful silence is expected, not just appreciated, but expected, just compounded the backlash he already probably would have gotten. Now, again, you know, it's like we always say, you know, mind the venue. Where do you choose to make these proclamations? YouTube videos have allowed us to do it from all over the world. And it's interesting because you've got content and context. The context in which he said what he did is under fire. Perhaps had he done it from Washington, D.C., made the statements he did, obviously he wouldn't have done it there because it was the, the whole venue that made it powerful according to uh, his intentions. Um, but that also has gotten him into some trouble. And I guarantee you there are plenty of Congress people and, you know, other politicians uh, around the nation that are taking a lesson from this, because especially when it comes to Fourth of July, summer vacations, you've got people that are going to be all over the world and might see background they think might be a great backdrop for political statements that they want to make. But this should be a, a big wake-up call, not that I think a lot of them need wake-up calls in this area. Lots of them have done the same kind of thing. But they've got to be very careful, not only in what they say, but where they say it. Wow. Yeah, the two, the little phrase there, and this is another reason why I appreciate Dr. Wendy and her clarity on these issues, the phrase content and context. Those are so important and they tie into what we preach on this show regularly, and that is situational awareness. And I, I imagine that sign that's in front of the entrance to uh, Auschwitz also gets reinforced because they don't just open the door and go, come on in, folks. There's usually someone there, a docent of some sort, who will tell you what you're about to see and highlight things so so that that moment can be given the reverence without, you know, someone having to constantly tell you, shh, shh, be quiet. Mike, but, I uh, love the word you just used. I love the word reverence in connection with the site. And I almost can't think, I'm, I'm sure sadly there are other sites around the world that carry this amount of reverence, but it is, this is one of the most somber places on the planet. And, you know, you might, and obviously he selected it because, uh, exactly because of that fact. But on the other hand, it, you're in dangerous territory anytime you go and, and utter political speech, shall we say in a place of reverence such as this. I'm not sure if there was an upside to this. Um, we, he could have expressed his views anywhere, but you're absolutely right. It is probably one of the most sacred spots he could have chosen for the message that he gave. 
Well, I'm I'm still going to tell him. Uh, I thought I thought he was respectful. He just violated a rule that I didn't know existed, and that is once he's inside, he should have been silent. Had he done, you know, I I know it's hindsight is twenty twenty, but had he done just a slightly different turn on this, I think there. But but as you said, and and I've speculated too, there would be outrage no matter what this guy does. So no, we'll and you're see. right, Mike. And and I wonder if the outrage wasn't compounded with some of the things that he he said in the past. Um, remember his fiery Facebook post where he talked about any suspected Islamist radicals should be hunted, identified, and killed. Do you remember that? Yes, um, I, they I, yes, I do. Entry into the, yeah, hunt them, identify them, kill them all. It is possible, and also remember that part of the um, criticism in connection with some of the statements had to do with the fact that when he said what he did about suspected terrorists, there was no mention of trials. So you, you wonder whether uh, it got the amount of attention, negative attention, as it did, because it came on the heels of other statements that he'd made that have been subject to some controversy. So in other words, it's not as if this is somebody who's never done or said anything that's been in the public eye in a negative fashion doing it, that maybe didn't know any better. Uh, it was somebody who has a track record, if you will. Now, not a track record in the sense that there's been you know terrible, terrible things that he's done, but there have been other things that he's said that really they're in line with his passion. He's passionate about national security. Nobody can fault him for that. Um, you know, you talk about content and context. Let me use one word that kind of encapsulates all of it. That would be optics. Uh, and people that are this passionate just have to watch the optics and make sure that they express their views that are shared by many other like-minded people in his position, uh, just in a way that is uh, seen as innocent, inoffensive in, in, in all contexts. It's always a lesson and always a lesson that uh, I, I thought, OK, I got this one covered. And then in walks Dr. Wendy and turns me <laughs> not completely around. But you actually pulled back a curtain and brought in more light, which I think is always important, especially in cases You're too like kind, this. Mike. And I always learn something from you as well. You've got great insight on all of these stories. Well, thank you. I have to agree with you. I mean, I'll take the compliment. Uh, I wish, you know, I wish we had more time, but uh, back on regular schedule Monday, I hope, next Monday. Sounds good to me. It's a date. Dr. Wendy Patrick. WendyPatrickPhD.com is where you find out about her. And uh, we will see you uh, Monday back in your usual spot. Thanks, Wendy. Sounds good, Mike. Always a pleasure. When we get back, Chelsea Clinton made me laugh. Well, she didn't make me laugh. But many of you, in response to Chelsea Clinton, I am howling. I, I don't know if we have enough time left in the show to handle all this, but I'll share it with you just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Suddenly, a lot of activity popping up on the Twitter about the interview we did earlier with uh, Austin Peterson, a former libertarian presidential candidate who's going to run for the Senate against Claire McCaskill in Missouri. 
he's just announcing it. And uh, I liked him when we talked to him during the the earlier part of the 2016 race. So I, I said, let's ring him up and see what he's doing. We'll try and keep you guys posted on that. I'm not going to spend every damn day talking to the guy. But I thought it was pretty interesting. And uh, I, I think a good libertarian candidate could do well in some of these states with a more independent streak. Apparently 7 million Democrats who voted for Barack Obama voted for Donald Trump. So they're out there. They're out there, people. You just have to pay attention. Now, before the break, I teased Chelsea Clinton. (laughs) They're not going to give up, people. The Clintons are not letting go. We are going to hang on and keep pushing. You just keep pushing. It's like when I was being impeached and I just I, I didn't address the Monica thing. I just kept going forward with my agenda. I got stuff done. Just keep putting Chelsea out there. They'll they'll forget about it soon enough. They know they want a Clinton somewhere in this in the White House again. I know that's going to happen. So Chelsea Clinton tries to bash Donald Trump. And this is like everything this woman does. She goes out there and just puts one on the T and lets everybody on the conservative side of things just start taking a whack at that ball and hitting it over the fence. Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> I start reading this. I start laughing. Chelsea Clinton tweets July 2nd, 1776. Continental Congress votes for independence. July 2nd, 2017. Trump auditions for the World Wrestling Entertainment. And then she links to his tweet. And people immediately responded with their own historical perspectives. For example, July 2nd, 2016, FBI FBI interviews HRC about classified information and improperly stored and transmitted on bathroom server before bleach bit and smashing with hammers. Well done. Or this one. I love this one. Chelsea Clinton, she tweets about the, uh, about, the, uh, about the entire thing with Trump and July 2nd. And Grip Tightly tweets back, July 1994, Whitewater, July 97, Monica Affair, July 98, Clinton subpoena. July 1999, $90,000 in fine and false testimony. Need I go on? <laughs> but my, my favorite tweet, Matthew tweeted at Chelsea Clinton after she put that out there. July 2nd, 1997, Bill Clinton stains a blue dress. Oh, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. You need to see this story. It's on The Blaze. I'll tweet out a link to the whole story. There are more here. They are a riot, and they deserve to be read aloud. I'm just telling you, the Clintons ain't giving up. So enjoy it while you can. We'll see. Maybe we can stop it. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. One more quick reminder. uh, Do something now. Don't wait. Don't delay. Get the relief factor and get it going. Relief Factor is an all-natural anti-inflammatory that changed my life, gave me my old life back. I am a guy who ran a lot, marathons, 10Ks, half marathons to train for marathons. And as such, I wore out some parts. I was thinking about getting knee replacements. I thought, my gosh, am I going to need a hip replacement? And I'm in my late 50s. And then Brad Staggs goes, try this. I'm going to send you a three-week pack, the three-week quick start pack. And he sent it to me, and I started trying it at home, taking it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's all natural. It's fish oil. It's turmeric. It's, it's not a pharmaceutical package. It's nature. And what it does is reduce the inflammation, which reduces the pain, which gives me my life back. I'm walking, playing golf. I'm out and about. I'm in the garden. I'm taking the puppy for longer walks. No side effects. And I'm not pouring pills into my body. None of of those green gel caps that I've been taking, eight of them a day. Not for, for almost 12 full weeks now. I stopped taking the green gel caps on day eight. And I take it every single day. Quick start pack is $19.95, relief factor, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or relieffactor.com. Check it out. Um, I have a few more things to get to today. The phone lines are open, 888-900-3393. You've seen the story we talked about uh, with uh, Representative Clay Higgins of Louisiana. We talked about it with Dr. Wendy Patrick. He was at Auschwitz. He took the, the way the media is depicting this. He's taking selfies at Auschwitz. Not really. He was narrating his experience at Auschwitz. Now, the, the shot outside with the train tracks, kind of dramatic. The shot outside at the end where he puts his spin on it. I thought those were fine. I didn't know there was a sign when you come in that says, please be silent. Now, the silence, if they ask, yes, you should honor that. And there now everyone's posting the sign about the gas chamber being a, a place for respect and respectful silence. But you can vote. Did you think the video was appropriate or inappropriate? Currently, a few of you have voted. I put this up just a little bit ago. 57% say appropriate. 33% say inappropriate. 10% say they can't decide. And uh, I honestly think, as we discussed with Dr. Wendy Patrick, that many people would say, you know it's going to be inappropriate no matter what this guy says no matter what he says. So if he had been silent inside, I'm sure they still would have had a problem with it. We're also going to post on theblaze.com via the uh, connection to SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music. We're going to post uh, the Austin Peterson interview and whether or not it gets a full uh, article treatment on the Blaze. We're going to isolate it because 
Uh, a lot of you, especially those of you in Missouri, need to find out who Austin Peterson is. And we need to keep up on Austin Peterson, too. Uh, this could be a very interesting battle. The, the Democrats have 24 Senate seats up for grabs in 2018. It's not too early to start thinking about it. They have 24. I think the GOP has six seats up for grabs. So in places like Missouri, it's not just a, a, a dream to think that maybe, maybe Republicans could actually win back some seats and bring conservatives back into a, a stronger position of power going ahead for the last two years of the Trump administration. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. There's also a story here that bothered me today. Uh, this is, uh, you know, we talk about schools and how schools are, are being forced to do the um, d politically correct social justice crap. And then the stories like the, the testing, the every student, uh, what is it, ESSA test, Every Student Succeeds Act, those psychological profiles that are going on. Well, we're not the only ones who are... Um, who are foolish about, about our schools. An English religious school for Orthodox Jewish girls who are three to eight years old is facing, facing a push to be closed, to shut them down. The school, again, it's an Orthodox school for Jewish kids, girls, eight, three years old to eight years old. So we're talking preschool to the third grade, right? And why do you think they want to close them down? Why do you think the UK Office of Standards and Education wants to close down this school? Remember, it's preschool to third grade. According to the reporting on this story, it is, quote, because it does not teach students about gender reassignment or homosexuality. The National Review is covering this. A school for children, preschoolers. Preschool, three years old to eight years old. Preschool, pre-K to third grade. Does not teach students about gender reassignment or homosexuality. And... Um, that this to me is just insanity. The um, the officials who are considering forcing the school to close say that, um, ironically, the school appears to excel at teaching secular subjects. But they're demanding full exposure to what is known as the fundamental British values. And does that not, not seem like uh, you're imposing secular dogma on children even even considering that imposition do you know any three-year-olds to eight-year-olds who can fully wrap their heads around the concept of gender reassignment does anybody believe that they there are three-year-olds who can understand gender reassignment or homosexuality I'm sorry, England, you're doing it wrong. If they don't teach it, they're threatening to close the school. And 
again, if this happens here, we'll, we'll know it's over if it happens here. I just think th this is just another sign. It's, it's like this, the other story. Okay, Canada, get ready. I'm coming back at you again. Canada, I'm issuing a warning. This story popped over the weekend, over the very long weekend. The, the um, Canadian parent who has demanded that there not be a gender on the child's birth certificate. Why? Because the parent who is trans is saying their newborn will be able to decide the sex. I'm not kidding. I, I almost started choking on this one. The Canadian parent's name is Corey Dotty. And Corey Dotty, who has a mustache, does not identify as male or female. Corey Dotty is a non-binary trans person and wants the baby to register as gender unknown so when the time comes, the baby can decide his or her own sex. Um, what are we doing, people? Um, we used to declare these types of parents unfit to be parents and say, no, no, that, that's not how life works. Now, Dottie doesn't even use the pronoun they. And since the child's sex has not been entered into any government records, they want the option. They, they of course, what a, what a shock that when the baby was born in November, the parent, Corey Dotti, gave birth in a friend's home. I'm sure it was a water bath. You know, one of those trendy things that Ricky Lake did. <sighs> Dottie said, uh, explaining this to the Human Rights Tribunal, because they had a tribunal on this. When I was born, doctors looked at my genitals and made assumptions about who I would be. And those assignments followed me and followed my identification throughout my life. Those assumptions were incorrect. And I ended up having a, to do a lot of adjustments since then. I feel bad for this kid. I feel really badly for this kid. Um, I'm sorry, people. There's two genders, and then there's a tiny percentage of people that have a little bit of both and not enough of neither. And then there's gender dysphoria. But there aren't a basket of genders that you can take your child to when they turn 5 or 10 or 18 and say, pick one, mommy and daddy. Uh, I'm sorry, we'll pay for it. Not, there are no mommies and daddies anymore. It's crazy time. The story's on the blaze. Trey Goins Phillips put it up yesterday. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out because just because it'll make you crazy and you need to ask your friends, your liberal friends, and this is why we arm you with this on the show. Do you think kids should be allowed to pick their gender after they're born or are there genders or is it just something you go to the store and buy? I just, I would love to know who these people are, really. And, and do they think, do they go home and laugh at us? Maybe they do. I'm not laughing at them. I actually feel bad for them. I got to step away. Michael Pelka and Pure Pelka. We'll be right back. You're listening 
to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Tomorrow, um, I got a really important story about um, somebody I met when I was hanging out backstage at a Michael Jackson concert a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It was the opening of the Bad Tour. (laughs) Uh, That's an obscure tease, but you'll see. You'll see. Be here. You have to be here tomorrow, starting at uh, noon Eastern, or you can catch it late. I also stumbled into something that I thought was pretty darn funny. Uh, I don't watch Big Brother, but you know, during the election, the Big Brother show was happening. It's on now with Julie Chen talking about the people in the house or whatever. It is. I don't watch it, so I don't know. But I did see this little clip about the Big Brother cast learning about the outcome of the election. And I'll just give you a little sample. The second piece of news I have concerns the recent presidential election. So they're all gathered as Julie Chen's about to tell them the news. And they don't know, really. This is good. And with 306 electoral votes, the next president of the United States will be Donald Trump. No way. Julie, you're joking. I leave you with that. Goodbye, house guests. What? She's joking. No. No. We got problems. Can we just stay in here for the next four years? (laughs) I'm going to cry again. A reality TV star is our president. A reality TV star is our president, says the reality TV star wannabe, right? Anybody else pick up on the irony there? Oh, it was so much fun to watch the snowflakes as Julie Chen delivered the news that no, Hillary Clinton did not win the election. (laughs) Uh, Very good stuff. Very good stuff. So uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, We have still reached out to um, the gentleman, the congressman, uh, Clay, who who filmed himself at Auschwitz. I don't know if he'll be on with us tomorrow. He might be. And if he is, we'll try and see if he wants to say anything. He may or may not be. He may have been told to keep a low profile right now. Uh, And just a little bit of advice. If you are going to uh, mix your Adderall with your Xanax... Um, don't go into the AT&T store and order chicken. That's what happened. A uh, gentleman named Fernando Zamora of Kenosha, Wisconsin, pulled up to the AT&T store in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin, and said, um, I'd like to order some chicken, please. And, uh, they told the guy, you know, you're at a phone store. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, but I, I need to order some chicken. Yeah, he ended up getting a little time with the cops. 
before his Xanax and Adderall wore off. Before we get out of here, I'm going to leave you with a quote that is attributed attributed to um, Voltaire, but there's always been some question about it. And I think it relates to today. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.